Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the Atlantic, the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson. <laughs> Hello John again. Yes, it's, it, we, we've only done a show recently about the top 10, 20, 30 movies of the last decade, but it feels like a long time since I've spoken to, to the statesman, the transatlantic movie brother of mine. How are you, my man? I know you've had some pretty good news over the last day or so. Yeah, uh, big big moment for me was hitting the hundred pound loss mark uh, today. Um, I thank you, thank you, thank. You. I, I was uh, it was one of those mornings where I was hesitant to step on the scale because I I did allow. Um, I've been reading and a, a cheat day is supposed to be good for the diet because it like shocks your body that you know it still has to work to burn calories. And yeah. so I, I did have two donuts yesterday, which is the most sh- sweets I've had at any one time. I did still go to the gym last night, and I don't know if that was the thing that set it off, but. Finally knocked yeah. off that last pound and a half. I've been trying to, to get to hit the hundred mark, and boom! It was a it was a good morning. Um, it's good feeling, you yeah. standing triumphantly okay. on a scale. <laughs> was it like the, uh, the the statue of Rocky in Philadelphia? Arms raised on that on that scale. Yeah, it was very much both arms shot into the air. I was like, oh, <laughs> and, um, yes. I was alone at the time because my wife had went to uh, church, so I like screenshotted the scale and sent it to her, and then sent it to you actually. And um, I did get it. Yes to my uh my my bud david who edits for burke reviews because he is uh he's lost more weight than me um and he's been a huge supporter and inspiration uh for me throughout this last year so you know um that's been my part of my 2019 was just like committing myself to health and trying to be um you know i want to live a long time there's a lot of movies coming out don't want to die before i see them all so (laughs) (laughs) and there's films you haven't seen yet that that would have been out for years which I'm, you know, trying to fit everything in. So, uh, but we we were on a hiatus. Um, mm-hmm. B- Bamp is back though, and this is our first official episode for 2020. And uh, if you're new to the the show format, we take the big four or what we deem as the big four movies of the month, and we're going to give fairly comprehensive but spoiler free reviews of those four films. And then we just kind of run through a list of other things we saw and if we liked it or didn't, if we recommended it or not. Um, we'll probably come up with something catchy like Rotten Tomatoes has fresh or rotten. Maybe we'll come up with our own BAMP uh, score. That's a challenge, that is. That's, I like the that's idea, the, right? It's been set down. Gauntlet's been set down now. Seems like we need something, right? You know, I mean, it's, it's we have the Kingsman Statement thing, the Transatlantic thing. We got all these little right. buzz things. We need one for our uh, our quick ratings. So we'll, well, come, we'll up come up with something, with something good. Stars mm-hmm. and Stripes, Union Jack, Queen, we could, Queen Prime President. We can mix something in for this. Mm, tea in the harbor uh you know um, <laughs> we'll come up with something uh, or we'll something. listeners if you want to suggest something you can hit us up on social media of course yes we'll give those links for you later on but uh yeah i've been looking forward to doing this for a long time and on john's uh heroic um dropping of pounds if if you listened to the show last year guys you would have tracked the progress from then as well so this kind of feels like a it feels like a victory for the show as well getting from that first show when you first mentioned it i mean this is also as a on, on that the show's been going for two years now, which is something yeah. I noticed the other day, just just um, off the cuff while I was looking at podchaser.com. It's like, wow, we actually started this in February 2018. And obviously we had, what, five months or so off at the end of last year for, yeah. for a, a variety of reasons. But So it's been alive for two years, active for a year and a half. And I mean, that's not bad at all, I don't think. I don't think so either. 
You know, some podcasts only do like three or four episodes. We've done quite a few, and and we're on to technically year three. You know, like we said, we missed a little, but we're we're catching up. And we did a bonus episode uh, with the decade, and we might. I I need to do an episode for my top uh, of twenty nineteen, so maybe I can just bounce it off of you and like as another bonus episode here in the next couple of weeks or something. So. Yep, and I want to do my most anticipated or least anticipated of the year. I know uh, I'm three months in, but uh, again, I'll be might be bouncing that off you as well. So um, before yeah. for February, uh, it's now we're now recording literally one of the first days of March. So for February, my man, shall we? Let's do it. Okay, the first film we're talking about in February is one of the last films to be released, and that was The Invisible Man. Uh, this was directed by Lee Wanell and starred Elizabeth Moss, Aldis Hodge, Storm Reid. Harriet Dyer, Michael Dorman, and Oliver Jackson Cohen. Now, I uh, this came out as it did in the states, I believe, on what the twenty eighth of February, so officially the last day. But we're in a leap year, so uh, a couple of days, a couple of days uh, ago. Now, this was originally part of the Dark Universe. Johnny Depp was leading it, and it was going to be part of an interconnecting cinematic universe of these old classic Universal horror films. Which actually, I was quite up for the idea of that because I dig those old yes. horror films. Plus, there's something about there's something about the nostalgia for those films. You know, I'd have loved to have seen them. However, the Mummy was terrible, and I think we have um, contrast and opinions on that because I really didn't like that film. But um, for the Invisible Man, now this is a film I've been looking forward to, simply because again it was dragged away from the Dark Universe. Could this this could be like terrible? It could be brilliant. It could be somewhere between. It could be Kevin Bacon in Hollow Man. An invisible man driving a car with sunglasses on. Thankfully, I didn't think so. I thought this was superb. I genuinely really thought Invisible Man was excellent. From the again, we have no spoilers in this, so fear not, guys. It starts off with an absolute bang. And by a bang I mean a very, very quiet, very drawn out scene, which had me on the edge of my seat for the five, ten minutes it plays out. Honestly, it did, because he because it throws you into this. Lee Wanell throws you straight mm-hmm. into the film doesn't give you any heads up as to what's going on. He's just kind of thrown into this moment. In it really kind of like, I could feel it feel like throttling me, this fear. And I don't think that really let up through the rest of the film. The whole film's got this cloud over it where you're not entirely sure what's going on. There's plenty of twists. There's plenty of turns, which I really enjoyed. Uh, the Invisible Man himself, um, the actual effect I thought was okay. I didn't mind that too much, but... What I loved about what one owl did was the the kind of like the longer shots, but he filled every frame, filled every shot and every frame with with something, just with content. So your eyes were wandering around. Mine were trying to work out what's going on. Why, why is he showing me the entire kitchen? Am I meant to be noticing something? And he he kind of leave it on that shot for ten, fifteen, twenty seconds, and sometimes nothing would happen at all. And you'd have that kind of oh, moment where you, you're quite glad it didn't. Sometimes it would happen. Um, a lot of that is also down to conventional horrors where you're kind of expecting someone to turn around and someone to be there. That doesn't happen very much in this film yeah. at all, which I which I appreciated. I think Elizabeth Moss was excellent. I'd heard that she was very good going into this. Um, and I'd heard that she'd up there with Tony Collette and Essie Davis, hereditary Babadook style performance. For me, I think she is. Whether she's as good as, I'm not willing to say just yet, but she's certainly up there with them because she really, really, really commits herself to this role. She throws herself into this role of a of a woman who is in an abusive relationship. That's in the synopsis. 
spiralling into this paranoia, anxiety, fear, depression. She sells it. She pl- she sells it. She plays it well. I put her in my review that actually her, perfor- her portrayal of this woman is wonderful and harrowing, if I can say mm-hmm. both at the same time, because it's a great performance and it's quite unsettling as well. The film itself, that's how I find the film. I thought the film was wonderful. wonderful. It is very unsettling, given its central theme of abuse. However, I don't want to take up the whole of the show talking about it because I I only got away from seeing this film a few days ago, a day after John did. I yeah. really thought this film was excellent. It had everything I wanted in a horror film in terms of atmosphere, tension, suspense, performances, actual horror, and when and certain scenes will leave you gasping. They're like shockingly surprising. But mm-hmm. I thought this was great for almost every aspect. It wasn't quite a ten out of ten. It almost was though for me. Johnny Boy, you saw this a day before me. What did you think? I I loved it. Right now, it's my favorite film from 2020. Um, nice. I don't know if it'll stay there. We've had a slow two months, I would say, for the most part. Like, a lot of movies have come out, but nothing, nothing what I would call fire uh, has come out. You know, it's been mm-hmm. meh. And this one was one that I was really hoping for. Um, I loved Elizabeth Moss and uh, her smell, uh, which mm-hmm. I did an episode on in my uh, on my movie oh man movie club podcast and then um i really loved her in us even though smaller role and she was by far the best part of the kitchen um and domino gleason to be honest um which was not a good movie it's not high bar was it no no but i mean she's (laughs) still really really good right like um and uh i one of the things um about the film like you said it starts off with so much tension and it's so right away you're just hooked into it or Maybe the opposite, if it's something you don't like. I did have a friend who doesn't like movies that make them feel stressed out. Mm-hmm. This movie definitely made me feel stressed out, uh, especially that opening sequence. Um, and I think anyone who's ever been in a abusive-type relationship or where you feel like you can't escape something uh, will be able to connect with the character. And that's the thing. Um, as tense as this movie is, and I do think it is more thriller than horror, maybe, uh, in the in the end, uh there's really great human moments um aldous hodge plays the detective that she's living with and his daughter storm is played by storm reed who i like and i was one of the few uh like i liked a wrinkle in time when most people hated (laughs) a wrinkle in time um i really enjoyed her in that and i thought she was really good here but there's this really great at least two or three scenes of these human like moments where they're laughing and having hope and it's really refreshing and it, it does you know it takes you um doesn't take you out of the horror but it does like it uh, relieves you for a minute mm-hmm. so you can kind of breathe and catch your breath before everything goes crazy um the movie also in a way reminded me a little of hitchcock in the uh it felt very voyeuristic um yeah, like we were watching and the the camera work and you kind of mentioned it too with the way he shoots wide and there's the, the mise-en-scene in the film is so important to drawing you in and looking across and just waiting and sometimes there is something and sometimes there isn't anything and and that is all more into the effect that he's going for and i was really 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 into this movie um i i don't remember who i first heard or where i read um a comment that it was it did feel at times like it could have moved a little faster like there's um not in the pacing per se but in terms of plot uh, there's some things that feel like it's dragged out a little longer than it should have been where like you're just waiting, waiting, waiting for something. And um, 
it it feels like it could have been a beat sooner. It is a short movie. It's only it's like right at the, like the ninety minute mark. So I don't. It doesn't need it. It just maybe needed something else. So it didn't just feel like we were waiting for quite so long at, at a certain point. But again, nothing to really damage the film. It is super enjoyable, or at least if you like feeling stressed out during a movie, <laughs> um, it's it's very well executed. It's a really great entry point and. Um, uh, you know, Blumhouse, uh, is so hit or miss for me. Um, and they have been, you know, like some of their movies I love and some of their movies I cannot stand. Uh, this is definitely one that I love and I'm hopeful that this is the, this is the type of quality we're going to get for these reboots of the classic universal monsters. I'm intrigued to say the least, you know? No. Yeah. And this had a $7 million budget, which for a, a major film nowadays, even though, even if this wasn't intended to be super mainstream it still had a big marketing push and it's still a a fairly recognizable ip the invisible man yeah. it's not something that hadn't been done before seven million dollars and the one l he i think he used his budget very well in the scenes where yes uh for again for, like you and i mentioned with the mise-en-scene in the in the longer shots wider shots just i mean and just the tracking shots of the camera and the, the way he brought to life this idea of an invisible stalker on screen again it sounds like oh it's easy to set the camera up and have somebody turn around and look scared there's a lot more to it than that you have to create something with nothing and i think they did that so well and on that well i said with the budget they only had seven million dollars to play around with and there are you know there may or may there's there are effects in this film which i have to get right so i think they did a really good job with a low budget and i was really surprised actually just how low the budget was, man. Well, what I heard or what I saw earlier was that it, it made twenty nine million in the box office this weekend. So it it has more than uh, almost tripled its its budget in in profit, which is or not with profit, but in box office, and that's huge. Uh, in the especially when you were to compare it to the Mummy, <laughs> which was probably like a hundred and thirty million dollar budget ballpark. I'm guessing. I'm just you know throwing that out there. Be, that's just Tom Cruise's salary. And yeah, and it, it did not do well in the box office. So this is uh this is a good sign that we are going to get at least one more movie, whether it's a sequel to this one or another one of the Universal monsters coming back. Um, I you know this movie has performed and it it deserves to. That's the thing. That's the beauty of it. Because uh, there's another movie on those t- this month's reviews that we're going to get into that has done well at the box office, but I don't think it necessarily deserved to. And I, I might be in the minority of, of that opinion, but, you know, we'll get there. Colour me intrigued now about that one. So, um, well, it sounds like we're both going to recommend The Invisible Man. Just before we move yes. on, obviously, again, for the third or fourth time, and it won't be the only time we mention this, we don't do spoilers. But I just wanted to hear from John. Again, no spoilers, but the twists in this movie. Did you did you, did you you like yeah. the twists? Did you feel they were earned or uh, organic? I... Or did you kind of think they were shoved in a bit? I, I felt I felt like they were earned, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I think they were if you were paying attention, I think you they were not predictable, but believable um, mm-hmm. and like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, the one thing since we're do- talking about not spoilers, um, trailer companies chill the heck out <laughs> with what you put in the trailer. Like I will say, to be fair, they also throw some twists and curveball type stuff in the trailer so that you yes. you are intrigued and you think you know what's going to happen but then in the movie it plays out slightly differently which i appreciate that but still like 
I saw one trailer because my students wanted me to show them the trailer after I was talking about it on Friday. And it showed like almost the whole first sequence, but like truncated. So it was cut a little faster and not every little beat was there. But it was like a lot of the moments were there. And like you're taking away the experience of that opening sequence Mm -hmm. in this trailer. And that was aggravating. Um, Again, I know this is happening more and more and more. And a lot of people are avoiding trailers as a result. But still, it's like you got to have something. You got to hold something sacred and like. I think third act content should not be included in trailers ever. Like, don't I, agree. Let, let it get there. You know, let it get there. No, I agree. Yeah, we did a, on Death by Pod, we, we did a recap of like, the films that are coming out in horror. This is one of them, obviously. And the trailer, I thought the trailer actually for this was all right. I thought it was all right. Not great, not terrible, but I thought it was just fine. But I was worried that they were showing a lot of what could potentially be the third act in the trailer. And going back yeah. to watch it, there were things in it which... With context, you think, uh, but I, I agree. Trailer, I, I try not to watch trailers anymore unless I'm doing a show about trailers for that reason because I've always wanted to go in unspoiled anyway. I like to try and work out the film for myself because I think I've said yeah. it before. If I can work it out for myself, then for me, the screen the screenwriter and the director have done a good job because I am just a guy sitting there watching it and I've worked it out. If I know what's going to happen and I'm waiting for scenes and I've read the synopsis of the plot, blah, blah. I'm going in with a kind of a little half half an idea of what's going on. Um, sometimes, obviously, I do that, but I try not to. But yeah, I fully agree on terms of the marketing that just pull back somewhat. And um, the last thing I'll say on this film is you mentioned Hitchcock. There were moments in this yeah. film where it reminded me of a quiet place, literally because oh. you know there were scenes of absolute silence or you know just just a fear of the unknown almost. Because in that film, the quiet place. You yeah. didn't know what was what was going on. Obviously, you saw bits and bobs, but still, you weren't sure what's going to happen when. Don't make a sound, blah blah. Parts of this film got to me like that. Maybe it was like maybe it's more like the kind of <gasps> feeling it was giving me when 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 things were happening. This wasn't just in the opening; this was throughout. Maybe it was yeah. just that kind of claustrophobic atmosphere, which was akin to a quiet place. But I got vibes of that film as well. So, um, but no, the Invisible Man for, for a kicking off the show after a few months off after a Christmas break. Man, what a film to kick off with. I thought this was excellent. Yep, agreed. So with that, we'll go to our second film, um, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, directed by Jeff Fowler and stars James Marsden, Ben Schwartz, uh, Tika Sumter, and Jim Carrey. Um, so people ask me right away, uh, you know, how does this movie fall in the, in the realm of video game movies? And honestly, it, it, it's pretty high if you were to look at only video game movies, because <laughs> video game movies has set a very low bar for quality, right? Yep. That said, I I didn't enjoy Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it is mm-hmm. a mediocre, vanilla kids movie. Um, it is Obviously, I'm not the target demographic. I One question that has annoyed me is, do you like the Sonic games? And I'm like, even if I say no the movie isn't trying to be the games at mm-hmm. all. Like it, it's literally just using an IP and giving some of the, the normal characteristics of Sonic, like that he's fast and that he there's rings, but the rings do something completely different than they've ever done in the game. Yep. And, and for the most part, the, the rivalry between Eggman and Sonic, not from the game. That's not the same atmosphere. So asking me if I like the game is, is more or less you just discounting my opinion because of a pre-designed <laughs> opinion that you have to love the game to like the movie, which yeah. I don't think should be. Um, I, I'm, I would say I'm lukewarm to the Angry Birds games. I enjoyed the first movie quite a bit, and I actually like the second one too. 
I would put those higher than Sonic on the video game movie list, just for the record. But mm. one of the issues that I had with this movie, which shocked me, was Jim Carrey doing the Jim Carrey thing in costume. Yeah. Which he's done in most movies, right? Like, I like The Grinch. He's just doing Jim Carrey in green fur costume, right? <laughs> You're right. At the time, I liked Batman Forever when I was a kid. Oh. Jim Carrey doing Jim Carrey thing in Riddler tights. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. You're right. I agree. Still can enjoy that performance. For some reason, it didn't work with me here. And I think it's because Sonic is a funny character. And then Dr. Eggman's supposed to be the foil, the serious character that Sonic, you know, throws all of his sarcasm to. And then we laugh at him for that. Mm-hmm. And instead, they're both doing sticky over-the-top comedic stuff and it felt like too much and i didn't enjoy jim carrey's performance which i've heard a lot of other people that's their favorite part of the movie i actually like schwartz and marsden Uh, i think they do a lot together um this is not marsden's first uh dual like role dual lead with a cartoon character if you've seen hop um with russell brand and as the voice of the bunny rabbit um and i'm gonna be honest i enjoyed that movie more than i enjoyed sonic uh, and I had no affiliation to Hop other than, you know, I like Easter. It's cool. Um, and again, it's not that this movie was bad. It's just that it didn't feel like it was anything of particular substance. And the stuff that it did really well, it borrowed from somewhere else. Case in point, the action sequences in this movie are very cool. But if you saw either X-Men Days of Future Past or the worst X-Men Apocalypse, <laughs> you've seen the scenes before done better because quicksilver did them first and they're a little more inventive with the quicksilver scenes um especially the one from days of future past although i really do like that's my the only thing about apocalypse i liked was the quicksilver rescue from the the xavier school for the gifted or whatever um but sonic they they do that here it's fine it's cool it still looks cool if you know but it's not great what i do want to praise though is the redesign of sonic because <laughs> we saw the original design where for some reason they went completely off the i i don't get using an ip and then changing it so dramatically when it's an iconic looking character but they did and they listened to the internet backlash which i have an issue with I, in fact i would have rather it looked bad and it been what they because they have to have there has to be a reason they chose to change the way he looked right like why else do it you have an existing property making a a choice to change it says that you think it would look better. You were wrong. I'd rather you put it out there, live with your choice. Instead, they do a masterful visual effects job to redo the whole movie. But I don't like that they were basically bullied into doing it. And especially when we got Rise of Skywalker last year and it felt like a reaction to the hate that Last mm-hmm. Jedi got. Um, I don't want the internet to control art. I'm okay with you voicing your opinion and not liking it, but I don't want art to change to fit an audience because then it doesn't feel like art. It feels like commercialism exclusively. Mm -hmm. And it'd be hard to argue that Sonic's not just commercialism. There is a built-in Olive Garden product placement that is ridiculously (laughs) Ah. overused Um, and some other product placement, but the Olive Garden one is, is quite blatant. And uh, I will give slash film credit for that commentary about the, uh, the Olive Garden uh, product placement, but still, it's definitely there and noticeable. Um, but again, I actually don't think it's a bad movie. I think, uh, as I tend to do, I'm not a contrarian, but when I hear people <laughs> over praising something, I will get 
harsher on it because I don't like overpraise um, or what Fair I enough. view as overpraise. So uh, that's my take on Sonic. Um, Matt, let me ask you a question. Uh, I know you're not much of a gamer. Were you a fan of Sonic prior to the movie? Uh, as a kid, I loved Sonic the Hedgehog games. I really did. Um, I loved on the Meg- Mega Drive, Mars System, Sonic and Knuckles. I used to love them. But um, I haven't played any since, what, the late 90s, maybe, in terms of Sonic. So in terms of an a, affiliation with the IP, I haven't really got one now. As a kid, I absolutely loved it. It, it was either this or Super Mario as a kid. I yeah. was all, I was all Sonic all the way. And when the, when this film was announced, the first thing I thought of was, why? I was, honestly, why? It's... This is Sonic. I mean, I don't know how popular it is with games now. I know they have been releasing games over the last decades or so, but is this a film that is going to is going to pop with people? Um, before I give my thoughts on your on that point about the redesign, which I do agree with you, I think the internet is great for people giving their opinion, but in no way should it ever be used as a as a forum for ideas to bounce ideas off of. Yep. What do we? What do you think about the? The rumor, which, if true, would be very clever, but also quite um, bad. What do you think of the idea that they the, they put out that original design on purpose, basically, to get a reaction, to bring more attention to the film, so when it was released, people would go oh. to see it? I I had not heard that until just now, but um, I mean, that that almost sounds like, you know, when you do something, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's why I did it. You know, what I mean, like, <laughs> like that's why I made it long. But like, what if what if people had been excited? Would they have kept it that way, or was there even True. a full movie that way? Um, you know what I mean? Like, because I, I can't believe they would have made a full movie badly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, so they it would have been like they only made enough of the movie to make the trailer to then show us that you know, so that people would have been like, oh no. And then what if they had loved it though? Would they have had to then remake the whole movie with the bad art? Like, so I, that seems unlikely. No, and um, yeah, I wasn't. But then again, I wasn't up for a hedgehog with human teeth. That was really odd. Uh, but from what I thought about the film, do you know what? I uh, I didn't mind it so much. I I thought it was going to be absolutely just really not very good. I thought it was going to yeah. be a bit throwaway, a bit wishy washy. I had a good time with this actually. Um, I thought it was better than it maybe should have been. And um, yeah, on on Super Mario Brothers, this is a better film than Super Mario Brothers was. So Sonic One, Mario Nil. But um, me and John on our phones could come up with a better film than. Super Mario Brothers. Do you know what? I thought this was okay. I thought it was enjoyable. I actually had... I laughed a few times during this. I thought some of the action scenes were quite fun. I, they they were derivative. Like the barroom scene was... I did enjoy that. Again, the, the there was an excessive use of slow motion, which was necessary because Sonic is obviously like supersonic speed. But uh, So I liked the action in this. I thought the VFX were pretty good. As for the um, actors... I thought Ben Schwartz did a really good job actually voicing yeah. Sonic. I thought he brought a, some an authenticity, uh, humanity to that character. I thought Jimmy Jimmy Mars, James Marsden, um, bless him. I thought I thought he did good. I thought he did a good job. I thought he went all in with this character. You know, he he was committed to this in a role which yeah. again could have been. I actually like, like Marsden in general. I, I think, think I he... like him as well. Ever since he was in like the Notebook and way back when he's and like because he's for me he's always, he's always, to me he's always been like the. The all-American kind of guy. He's got like chiseled looks, and he looks like the kind of perfect man. But I thought he was good in a film like this, where he's just got to have fun with a VFX CGI hedgehog. Jim Carrey, I did like Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey again. 
as for Dr. Robotnik, I, I remember when Dr. Robotnik used to be quite rotund. Jim Carrey isn't rotund. Um, I see what they were going for with his character. Obviously, he was the mad scientist rather than the evil scientist, which then obviously meant he threw in some gags every now and then. But I didn't mind it. What I did like about his his uh, performance was he. I think it felt like Jim Carrey was holding back somewhat. He was still giving us Jim Carrey, but he he didn't go like he didn't go full Riddler, for example, or like full into it, which is good because that would have utterly derailed the film. Um, but I yeah, I wasn't the target audience either, but I had a good time with it. It wasn't, you know, listen, this wasn't the best film I've ever seen. As I mentioned in my review, it, it hasn't changed the, the genre. It's not a game changer. It hasn't like reinvented the video game genre. It's just a solid film. It was a good fun. And I think the intended audience, which is what, 12 and under maybe? I think they're going to have yeah, a really good time family. with this because it's, it's family friendly. It's good fun. Isn't you it? get a hedgehog that dances. The action is safe for See, families. The- and it's it's good fun. I actually hated that they made him floss though, because that is a Fortnite mm-hmm. thing, and it it one it whenever movies have tried to like tie mm-hmm. in like pop cultural meme type stuff into their movies, they're always about a year or two behind. Like even Black Panther, they did the damn Daniel, uh, you know, or I'm yes. sorry, they did the what are those reference, right? Mm-hmm. That was like such a dead what joke. Those? By the time it lands in the movie, it's like oh, you got to be, you got to remember that your movies take longer than the memes last, like. You know, referencing a, a two-year-old a meme, a story off a fort, a fortnight um, announcement, which was a. Uh, uh, to not be fair, look, it wasn't. But at least it was like within the time frame, right? Like, but I think they didn't realize Fortnite had kind of faded out of the limelight at that point. I mean, it, w- um, it was, but still, connecting your main story to a video game. But that's another story for another time. I did. I, I had a good time with this. I think the kids would like it. I think if I took my daughter, she's only four or coming up four. If she understood what on earth was going on, I think she'd like it. And the and our yeah. nine nine year old stepdaughter, ten ten year old, she'd have a great time as well. And I think that's what it's all about. Is it going to yeah. be in my top twenty of the year? No, doesn't need to be. I'm just actually pleased it wasn't an awful video game film. True. Um, and had, we had Tomb Raider a year or two ago, which I quite enjoyed that. And I think this was it wasn't as good as that, but it shows that you can make a decent movie out of a movie IP. So for Sonic, I, I had a good time. He is he is a very likable character in the movie. Like mm-hmm. I, I wanted him to succeed. I, I had the the plot's very generic. I think, which is to it's be expected for this story, type of movie. Thin origin but story. It, it is what makes it a kind of vanilla feeling story. And again, that's not a criticism. I like vanilla. I just won't like. I'm generally going to pick something else over it, which is I think more to the point that Matt's making. Is that it's not that it's it's not a bad movie by any means. It's just I don't like that it's it's made as much money as it's made and i also don't like that it uh people are saying it might be the best movie of this month maybe that's happening somewhere in a poll uh, something it, it absolutely is the amount of money it's made what well, they made nearly 270 million dollars yeah and that's what i don't want because good. again it's not a great movie like it's better than what maybe we expected <laughs> but that doesn't mean it should be like you know like breaking records for february like which i don't think it is because deadpool came out in february but that's not the point mm-hmm. it's still like it is it's a fine kids movie it's it's could be there are better kids movies still though like let's not set the bar low because of kids are watching it let's remember we want our kids to be you know intellectually stimulated too and this movie is definitely not doing that um at all like not even trying and there are some little jabs uh at like Mario with the mushroom planet and stuff like that, but that, that are that are cute <laughs> if you've been around with the game for a while. But it's still it, it's it's 
it's fine is what I want to say. I just it's mm. fine. Let's let's trim it down a little bit. It's not great. Okay. And again, so saying that... it's the best. So cool. uh, uh, saying it's the best of a bunch of bad movies does not make it great. You know what I'm saying? No, you know. I was going to say on that box office return because it's obviously that's still going to climb. It's probably got another. I reckon it's got another week or two, a week, ten days of half decent returns before it starts to drop off. You know, substantially. That two hundred seventy million and counting. Do you think that's because of the IP or because of the rewatchability or maybe time of year? I think it's the IP. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's the IP, and I think people were invested in it because they they voted for it and it won. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they voted for the change, and the change happened. And that's that's there's like a I think where if that marketing idea you mentioned, if that was true, that's where I would believe it more than anything. Is that you make people feel like they are a part of something? They're attached to it. They're gonna come see it because hey, I voted for it and they listened to me. I want to see what happened. You know, yeah. um, so you have like a you had a built-in audience with the IP, and then the audience was mad, and you listened to them. You had a huge built-in audience, so it, it's not surprising at all that it's made a lot of money. No, that's fair enough. So, uh, okay, so we we both really really enjoyed Invisible Man, Sonic Hedgehog. I thought it was I had quite a good time with it. I thought it was an entertaining film, and am I right I to boring. say that you thought it was disappointing? Uh, no, I thought it was boring. I think mm-hmm. more so than disappointing because I, I had low expectations. Um, so it didn't disappoint. It maybe even exceeded my expectations because it's it's very solid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But where I was, I was a little surprised that Jim Carrey's com- comedy didn't work for me because, as I've noted, it works for me most of the time. And I, I felt a little bored. Like I, when the movie, when the credits hit, I could tell there was going to be like post credits. I still got up and left because I was ready to leave. I was just yeah. done. Okay, well, uh, that's fair enough. It does seem like we're going to be getting more Sonic films. It's set the film set up for that, yeah. and the box office says that their pro- Jeff Fowler's probably immediately writing the next two films already. But so that was Sonic the Hedgehog. Talking about a film which is disappointing, but maybe not in the ways you might think straight away. The next film we're talking about is Birds of Prey or Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey or Birds of Prey in the f- emancipation of one fabulous, fantastical Willy Wonka Harley Quinn, whatever the film was called. Birds of Prey is what we're going to call it. It's had enough name changes. It was directed by Kathy Yan and it stars, of course, Margot Robbie, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um, Journey, Smollett Bell, Rosie Perez, Chris Messiner, Ella J. Basco, Ali Wong and Obi-Wan Kenobi himself, Ewan McGregor. Um, Birds of Prey, another DC offering. Been in a hot streak recently, DC. Would Birds of Prey be any good? We'll find out. The film itself, in a very quick nutshell, Harley and Joker, Harley Quinn the Joker, they've split up. Bad news, they've broken up. It's also bad news for Harley Quinn because over her time with the Joker, she's made a lot of enemies. She's now fair game. Most of Gotham wants her dead, including Roman Sionis, uh, who's an absolute lunatic aka Black Mask, played by Ewan McGregor. So Harley Quinn has annoyed people. People want him to make her pay, is essentially the, sto- the story. And then there's a MacGuffin involved, which pulls everyone together. Um, I had a good time with Birds of Prey. I really quite enjoyed this film. Again, it's I thought the story was lacking. I didn't think it had a particularly it had a pretty flimsy story. I don't think it was uh, brilliantly written, to be honest. But it was fun. It was enjoyable. It was colourful, very colourful. I thought the action was great. I think Margot Robbie is... I think she's great as 
Harley Quinn. But Margot Robbie is pretty much grey in any role she plays. She's now hitting that top tier of actors for me. Where year upon for the for this year and last year, Academy Award nominee for some great performances. She's get and obviously she's a producer of her own company and this as well. She's got talent to burn and she's using it wisely. I think Birds of Prey was a very fun film. It's not the best DC film I've seen, but it's certainly not the worst. I had a good time with this. Calling it Birds of Prey uh, is um, generous uh, yeah. because this is the Harley Quinn story. And as she she was the, the big star of Suicide Squad a few years ago. So it was we all thought she was going to get her own film. Then they had the um, Gotham City Sirens film was going to be made. That got pulled. Birds of Prey took its place. But this is very much a Harley Quinn-centric story. That doesn't mean to say that the other birds aren't aren't good. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who plays Huntress, is for what she gets to do, is great. Uh, Smollett Bell, who plays Black Canary, is great. Uh, and Renee Montoya probably gets... Uh, well, her and um, Smollett Bell get kind of maybe 50-50 in terms of screen time between them. But I do think that the rest of them, they all felt a bit sidelined in terms of when they were the birds. When they weren't the birds of prey, they got a bit more to do. Um, somebody who wasn't was Black Mask, Roman Sonus, Ewan McGregor. I thought he was excellent. I thought he was so hammy. Um, he had a real sort of menace, a real paranoid menace, which I thought was a lot of fun to watch. When a villain is good fun to watch like this, um, I want to see more of them. Ewan McGregor, however, has got a terrible American accent, which bothers me. <laughs> in, in Doctor Sleep, it bothered me, but I kind of... Um, I I let that drop because I really enjoyed Doctor Sleep, but in this I couldn't help but listen, but hear him forcing himself to do these American lines. Uh, so yeah, the, the performances are great. I says the action was great. There's some re- really good actor set pieces. Uh, again, Harley Quinn centric. The what um there's there's one in the middle of the film which involves confetti, which involves um, coloured smoke bombs. Really yeah. enjoyed that. The final set piece was great. Kathy Ann made a lot really good use of the locations and the kind of like macabre bonkers setting that she had. I didn't think it felt at all like Gotham City, but then again, neither did Joker of last year. I don't think that felt anything like Gotham City either. They both felt like New York. Yeah, they both and felt that's like where they a actually city. were. Yeah, they both yeah. felt like a city in the United States. Whereas even I think Chris Nolan, they made that feel like it, it was Chicago and Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, mm. but we know that it was it felt like Gotham. But um, for this, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Oh, you know, for all the f bombs and the swearing and the, you know, and the off color words, that can't hand, that can't cover up a, a script which was a bit naff. There was moments where they had quite a, moments of uh, Harley Quinn reflecting, or kind of looking back at what's happened or trying to like, figure herself out, and then that was it, done. Bosh. When they really could have f- focused in on that a bit more. And added some yeah. kind of weight, a bit of pathos to the story. Maybe that's not what the audience wanted. I wanted that because I think it could have fleshed out the character in the film and added that weight, which Kathy Ann was was really and Christina Hodson, who wrote this, were actually obviously going for. But that said, you know, I I thought this was another win for DC. The box office says otherwise. It hasn't even scraped yeah. to two hundred million. It's about 180, 190 million dollars. Uh, already and it's been out for a good few weeks now so I think the box office is massively disappointing which is a shame because again whilst it isn't the best comic book film ever and I hate having to use those kind of comparative phrases but I had a good time with this film I think the female-led ensemble is great the action's great it looks good I had a good time with it it was entertaining so uh, it's a shame for me to see it 
so far down the list in terms of box office. And by the end of the year, it will be right down the um, gross list. But uh, what did you think about it? Anyway, because I'm not sure I've actually seen your thoughts on it or in depth anyway. Um, I I liked it. Uh, I, I started off kind of rolling my eyes at it. It mm. felt like real, like on the nose, exactly what you would expect it to do and being uh, maybe a little like the breaking the fourth wall was kind of like, oh, God, is this is this what we're going with? Like, it's already rated R. So there's that comparison to Deadpool. But now mm-hmm. Harley, who is in fandoms, has is attached to Deadpool, not through the actual comics, but fans have like kind of shipped them, I believe, is the phrasing kids. Quinpool, would that be called? Or... Yeah, um, something like that. Uh, but um, so when you already have that like real world connection to the two characters, that they're both zany and crazy pulling elements from the film is not a good call and mm-hmm. i don't know if the voiceover stuff was was the right way to go it you know there's a lot of a lot of debate whether voice narration should ever be used you know in a medium that we can show things and whatnot i, I am not opposed to it i like it in certain cases like i watched stand by me yesterday and i like the narration in that movie mm-hmm. i have no issues with that but this, um, this I has actually... a non-structured uh, linear the narrative goes back and forward and all over the place yes. as well which doesn't help no, and it's the narration is used as the the vehicle in which we are being told the story through Harley, and so it it helps because she's crazy. So the fact that the story itself is a crazily organized kind of makes sense. But you know, whatever, it's it's a crutch to a degree to to do the movie like that. I don't know if it needed to be nonlinear. Um, I would have liked to see more of the birds prey. I actually am a fan of the comics uh, of at least one iteration of the birds and. I would have liked to have seen them more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, as much of a Batman guy as I am, Black Mask is a villain I'm only like somewhat familiar with. I haven't read many books with him. Uh, I did play Arkham Origins, but like I'm pretty sure the story in that game deviates greatly from the traditional Black Mask story, mm-hmm. um, which I won't say what why but I think that because I feel like it would be a spoiler for an old game, but nonetheless. Um, but I do like Ewan McGregor in this. I, I like... Uh, Chris Messina as Zaz. I wish he could have been more like Zaz in the comics. He's like kind of there, but he's not. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff here. And what really made me warm up to this movie after the fact was my daughter um, and the blank check podcast uh, mm-hmm. did a special episode for this. Um, and they had an all female panel reviewing it. And that's where I think the movie really kicks butt is that it does seem to be pulling in a good audience in a, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially because Suicide Squad made her relationship with Joker feel so toxic and gross that for her to break away from that, I think, was something that needed to happen on screen. I think it was a good counter to what Suicide Squad did. And when you compare David Ayer's toxic masculinity that kind of permeates his whole filmography, um, Kathy Ann does a lot to kind of fix that element of Harley's character. Um, and Matt, I got to say the best part of this movie and i don't think this is a spoiler everybody <laughs> but my god did they make an egg sandwich look phenomenal Man. i have not been able to stop craving an egg sandwich since i saw this movie and i've been resisting um because <laughs> i kind of have to because bread is is not something i eat a lot of i don't eat enriched flour generally um i do eat whole wheat but it's just not the same um, because I hit my hundred pound mark today, I did go to our local Wawa, which is a gas station, but they have excellent subs. 
Nice. And so I got I got a breakfast sub with egg whites, spinach, jalapeno, tomato, and this pickled cherry relish, like spicy relish thing. Dude. Um and dude, it was it was very, very well worth my weight. I didn't get cheese on it, which I really wanted, but that was an extra hundred calories. It was all four hundred and something calories, so uh still ate healthy, but it was still like a splurge. And uh, I was very happy with my purchase. It didn't quite satisfy the craving from this movie because this sandwich, it's just something like about the getting it from a New York, uh, um, I can't think of the term right now, but like a deli type mm-hmm. thing uh, that I really want that type of experience. But man, th- like it's, it is one of my most like craved sequences of a movie where I'm just like, my God, this looks amazing. <laughs> And she makes it feel even more amazing because of the commitment to the sandwich that she has. <laughs> um, but I, I do, I don't want to undersell Rosie Perez though. I, I think she's really, really good in this. And I like that character from the comics. Um, I also, I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but I do think Huntress could have done more, but I think they, they played with uh, a comic trope where she's like naming, like giving a name and everyone says the wrong thing. Do you know who I am? And they like guess. And she's like, is annoyed. And uh, I like that whole bit. Like there's, there's little parts of this movie that really stuck. And I think it's really solid. Um, I don't think it's, it's the best DC entry either. I do think it's one of the better DC entries. I would, I would put wonder woman and Shazam above this one. Mm-hmm. And that might be it. Um, I, I, I am not a fan of Aquaman. A lot of people are way high on that movie. I, I thought Aquaman felt cheesy at times. Um, especially just like the look, I, I think it's hard to make people look cool. Like, hovering underwater something with the hair um, isn't it something with the hair but uh overall i thought this movie was a lot of fun the action sequences were pretty cool i think they make harley's fighting fit harley's persona really really well um like the way they like sh- she moves through the fights and stuff i thought w- was really well choreographed i don't necessarily think they were shot as well as they could have mm-hmm. been but they're they're good um and uh, I did like um, I forget the the young girl's name, um, Cassie Kane in uh, the movie, but I can't think of the actress's name. Oh, but... Ella J. Basco. Okay, I thought uh, her and Harley have a cool connection. I don't know that it's completely convincing that they click so quickly, mm-hmm. but I still like them. Like the sequence where they're in Harley's apartment is one of the like my daughter really loved that sequence, and I I it made me appreciate it a little more. Um, my daughter's fifteen now. Um, she was a big fan of Harley after Suicide Squad. She came away from Harley like a lot. She does this kind of with her all of her fandoms. She's like really into something, and then she like get too into it where she just walks away from it completely for a while. And so I wasn't even sure she would want to see this, and she did, and was very very happy with it. And um, it reignited her her love of Harley in a different way. And I kind of think she likes that it's not as popular as her Suicide Squad performance. Mm-hmm. So like. Maybe it won't be quite as saturated everywhere. Although you can get um, I Shaved My Balls for this t-shirts at both Hot Topic and Spencer's here in the States. So I feel like you say that uh, whilst wearing one. Uh, no, no I've not I've not bought one yet. <laughs> um, t- ten years ago, I would have bought one in a heartbeat. Yeah. But the current version of Birkenfield is a little too professional for such shirts to ever be worn anywhere. So I, I, I understand that fully. I also understand fully your craving for that sandwich. God damn, that looked good. Over here, because over here yeah. we get little cafes over here, which sounds very quaint. Not all of them are, trust me. Um, little cafe where they where they slap everything onto that big hot grill. Oh man, and you could just watch it go. 
and you can salivate just like Harley Quinn did, and she yeah. clung to that sandwich just like I would. Uh, that's I was, as soon as you say that, I'm thinking I feel bad because I could go out and have one of those tomorrow, but I, I don't want to share the picture with you because you know that's almost cruel. So I wouldn't <laughs> do that. But man, that was uh, there was moments that um, Roman slash Black Mask was you know doing stuff which were equal parts you know pretty intense. But cool to watch, yeah. if I can say so, sound like a sadist. But that scene with the sandwich sticks out to me the most as well. And on Holly and Suicide Squad and David Ayer, Kathy Ann, people have used this as a criticism for the film. To those people, I would say, go outside for five minutes, see the air, see the clouds, see the trees. People have said, oh, we, you know, well, I, I don't like this film because they haven't, you know, they, they've under-sexualised Harley Quinn. You think, well... Come on, if that's the only reason we're going to watch a film. I mean, David Ayer gave us the iteration of Harley Quinn um, and it fit, and a lot of guys liked it and a lot of girls liked it as well. This film feels like a more, I don't say realistic, but a more modern take, a more now take on the character. She's still, Mm. uh, she still looks huge sexuality. She's still like, this is Marco Robbie for Christ's sake. But they don't think, but Kathy N still gave us this, you know, this sexy, powerful anti-hero without diminishing anything. And I, I, I've heard that argument that people aren't going to see it for that reason. And it, it, you know, without going off a tangent, which I won't do, but it's that kind of thing, which just infuriates me in this world now where, like you mentioned about the internet, I want people to, and I, I know that comic books uh, have their own the artwork about, you know, superheroes and superhero hero heroines and what that, and what people expect them to look like. But on a page and on screen is two, are two different things. And you see people on yeah. the net saying that, and also just the whole internet thing, man, harassing writers, artists, directors, because it's not what you wanted. It's just that's the reason why yeah. it's not what you wanted is because it's not your film. But that was something which bugged me. But I, you know, I think they, you know, so that argument blows because I think what Kathy Ann did for the character exactly. was actually develop the character. She could have given us a suicide, suicide Squad Harley, which was just kooky, bonkers, and not really much substance. But she gave us kooky bonkers and started to poke away a bit more at what was underneath the the persona a little bit more. Again, I think she could have gone a bit further and given us a bit more of that, but she still did it and still went there. So I think I think that argument is is ridiculous. Uh, uh, why it's not doing well at the box office? No idea because you can get a film like Aquaman make over a billion dollars, which I mean, Aquaman was Aquaman was fine. It was alright, but it's not a billion dollar film. Wonder Woman was a good film as well. I enjoyed one, apart from David Thewlis's moustache. I really enjoyed Wonder Woman. Shazam, criminally underrated in terms of how much it made of the box. That's a film that's been making a billion, because that was awesome. But for Birds of Prey, currently struggling to get to 200 million. I mean, I'm not here to to give any reason why, like, solid reason, but I don't know why. I have no idea why. Yeah, Is yeah. it a backlash you know because it's an all-female cast? If so, again, go outside, Probably. smell the air. Or is it just because people aren't interested in this film? Or maybe, I don't know, because people are rushing out to see other films. Yeah. I don't remember who said this. Um, it was I think it was on the Blank Check episode, though. But it, it is sad that people are talking that, like this is a failure because it's slow to get to $200 million. It's It only costs $87 million, according to IMDb, for the budget. Mm-hmm. So it's made its money. Like it's And making $200 million is a lot. Like, that's a lot of money. Like, it's crazy that we think that is a failure mm-hmm. like it, it both broke its budget and it's still 200 million dollars like it's made a good profit it's not a failure but we're looking at it like it is because it's a comic book movie that didn't hit close to the billion dollar mark and when and you see other films that 
that made more than they maybe should have done as well. Yeah, and I don't think that DC should be. I don't know if DC is actually or Warner Brothers is expecting it to do more, mm -hmm. but it released it in February. So to me, it says like they didn't have that much faith in it Good to point. begin with. But then the IP um, of Harley Quinn and how well she did after Suicide Squad. You mentioned it, like yeah. young girls and and older women and just girls in general and guys were loving. I've seen lots of guys wearing the um, Daddy's Little Monster with a T-shirt. That you know, they, she she blew up, but like became part of the pop culture zeitgeist yeah. for the time. Halloween was just Harley Ween. I'm going to call it now. I'm, I'm taking that. Harley Ween. Uh, and she blew up, basically. And so maybe they, I think, maybe they expected more. Had this film come out last year, I think it makes, I think it stands $50 million higher currently. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. Like, people have gotten really down on Suicide Squad. Not Everyone's been down on Suicide. <laughs> um, people have gotten really down on Suicide Squad. And it, it's bad, but, like, it had a fandom when it first came out that mm -hmm. I think it's faded completely. And I think just in general, DC has like faded. Um, you know, Joker is that one exception. And I do think to a degree there is, there's so much confusion as to which movies are going to be like, can't like, is the new suicide squad a reboot or is it a, like a continuation? I've heard it's both somehow. And it's like, when you start doing stuff like that, people don't want to like have to go, you know crazy wall with thread everywhere going ah this is how this is connected <laughs> and this is yeah so it's like yeah the always sunny meme um so yeah that's i think that's enough for harley yeah. quinn but not not a bad movie just not not a great movie but definitely one of the better dc offerings yep i, I enjoyed it I, I agree with your kind of placement of where it probably sits in the ranking but i had a good time with it and yeah if you haven't seen it guys i go around and watch it you'll have a good time with it all right, last up for the big four is uh, probably where we probably should have started with this one because I think we're going to end on a bad note. I'm not sure how you felt, but this is one of those Blumhouse movies, Fantasy Island, directed by Jeff Wadlow, um, who I want to bring him up because he's done something else that's bad. Um, stars Mark Michael Pena, Maggie Q, uh, Lucy Hale, Austin Stowell, Jimmy O. Yang, Por Portia Doubleday, Ryan Hen Hansen, and Michael Rooker, kind of. I guess he's in it for a bit, kind but... Um, I I had like no affiliation with the TV show or anything as a kid. Like I knew of it, and I knew of the quotable line "the plane boss, the plane," which uh, <laughs> good, I don't even impression. know why. Yeah, it's not not too hard of one to do. Unfortunately for uh, that poor character tattoo, <laughs> um, I I thought this movie was actually entertaining at first, and then it it does this attempt of a twist. Oh yeah, he. This dude, the director, also produced uh, Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. He directed so right it. right away. And he and he directed it, yeah. so that's a sign of the quality we're getting here. Yeah. He also directed the uh, True Memoirs of an International Assassin with Kevin James on Netflix. Um, and Kick-Ass 2. Um, I did, however, like Never Back Down, actually. Um, but, you know, not that it's a masterpiece, but I enjoyed that movie. I didn't see Cry Wolf. Um, but anyways... Uh, I like Michael Pena. I, I feel like no, no movie has used him as well as Ant-Man and Ant-Man uh, and Wasp. Um, but I, I enjoy him in general. Um, I actually like Lucy Hale. I just think she's she's stuck in this really bad horror movie thing. Um, I think she was in The Unicorn that I saw at Tribeca. She was, and she's in Truth or Day. Yeah, she's real bad in Truth or Day. Uh, well, Truth or Day is real bad. Maybe it's not her. Um, I loved Jimmy O. Yang in this, though. 
Uh, I'm a fan of his from Silicon Valley because that's a, a HBO series that I'm like one of the few TV series I've kept up with over the last couple of years. He's super funny in that. And I thought he was really, really good in this. Um, but this movie does some stuff with the story that I think uh, is real bad. And it's like, it just feels so unnecessarily bad. Like they were just trying to be, oh, we got you. It's like, no, you didn't. And this is worse than the, what it could have just been. Like it could have been something so much more straightforward and it would have been better. Um, I do like, I I don't like the ending of the plot, but there's like the setup for the plot is that it's on Fantasy Island. This yeah. is an island that can grant your fantasy and everybody gets one. And you have to see it through to its conclusion. Those are the rules that Michael Pena's character, Mr. O'Rourke, establishes at the beginning. And I like when it ends and we're back kind of learning more about the island. I think that part of the ending is cool. But the actual story of the characters that are introduced to the island, um, which is Lucy Hale, Maggie Q, Austin Sowell, Jimmy O. Yang, Ryan Hansen, they are the ones that uh, they've won a contest and they get to come to Fantasy Island or some nonsense like that. Um, I think their story is ends kind of stupidly. But the Mr. Rourke part of the story, I think, is kind of cool um, and intriguing. But I can't talk about why I think it's intriguing without spoiling the mm-hmm. movie. So I won't. But overall, I, I was definitely not not a fan. I do think this is better than Truth or Dare, uh, but that's not saying much. It's still like when you look at we have two Blumhouse horror movies and you s- compare them side by side. It is crazy to think they came from the same studio because Invisible Man is expertly done. And this movie is such a piece of garbage uh, by comparison. Um, not a total, total piece of garbage, but mostly a piece of garbage that can be somewhat entertaining and fun at times. But yeah, so that's kind of my overall take. I don't have much else to say about it without getting into spoilers. I have a lot to say if we were going spoiler heavy, <laughs> um, but I'll let you uh, throw your two cents in. This sucked. I didn't like this film. Um Again, I didn't have a, I don't have, I haven't got any, you know, tie tie-ins or connections to um, the seventies, eighties TV show or miniseries and films. Um, I saw the trailer for this and thought this just looks bad. Like the music choices yeah. and the and the way the characters are portrayed. Then Jeff Wadlow's name came up on screen. I was like, oh, not again, not again. I, Truth or Dare did me over, and this is this is going to kill me. Yeah, really did. Um, first, before I go into any of those, the first thing I will say is actually the idea of turning or taking Fantasy Island, the premise, and you know turning it into this like horror tinged film, I think that's a brilliant idea. I think the actual premise is a great idea, yeah. a really good and interesting way uh, to take a an already established idea but do something different with it. I really like the idea of that, but then they go to Jeff Wadlow, and it kind of didn't work. But Bloomhouse could have been a good fit for this, I think. You know that how they, you know, with their um, uh, machine of low budget model, yeah, machine of chucking out low budget films for profit. And this film's made nearly forty million off a seven million dollar budget, so they they made money success. back on it. Which, it, yeah. whether whatever we thought about the film, it's made money. Um, you know, I didn't like the film for a multitude of reasons. You, you've mentioned all of the characters in it. I just didn't like any of them particularly. And yeah. they, 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 this this film required multiple storylines, but at the same time, it still felt heavy, messy. It felt convoluted. I, with the characters, I just didn't relate to any of them. I didn't really care for them. So already, I'm not invested. I, you know, with, with whatever may or may not or could or couldn't have happened to them, I was just like, well, I'm going to watch what happens. 
but I'm really not interested. Whereas you see some films like Invisible Man, where you're kind of thinking, please don't, or I hope you're okay, or oh, I don't want to see what's going to happen next. Whereas this film, I was like, I don't really care what happens to you guys, as long as it looks good. Um, and that's it. And there is a lot of the characters are just well dressed fodder. Um, it, it, it's, there's no horror in this film. It's very much a PG thirteen. I call Truth or Dare. I think I call it Nickelodeon horror. This is more Disney Plus horror now. It's horror by yeah. name only. There's, you don't need to have blood, gore, um, or, or even elements that Invisible Man used to to have a horror film. It just needs to have that sort of like cloying, nasty uh, vibe to it. But this didn't really have any of it. It, it felt. It just felt. It just it, nothing stuck reeked of horror to me. The dialogue was awful, and how they explained the island and the the story behind the island. Like one character says one line, which is so bad, but she keeps a straight face. And I was like, "You you earned your paycheck just for saying that." Go and watch the movie, guys, and you'll find out which one it is. About three quarters of the way through the film, um, I agree with yeah. you about Michael Pena. When he's used well in those comedic roles, he's great. And in Ant Man and Ant Man the Wasp, he is also he steals the show almost. Um, but then he yeah. also does kind of the films like this or Netflix original films where he is given a more prominent role. And it's not a slight on him because I think he's very good. But he just sort yeah. of takes these like really naff um, roles, like maybe like Lucy Hale is. And we mentioned Joey King, who is still rooting for you, Joey. Just seems to take yeah. these really naff roles when she probably could do, or has shown in peaks that she could do more. Michael Pena, is, you know, he's he's not the reason why this is a bad film. For me, it no. just there's not many redeeming factors about this film. Interesting premise. Really enjoyed the idea of that. It looked great because it's a paradise island. It has to look great. But I don't know. Even like Maggie Q, who I usually think is pretty charming. I quite like Maggie Q. I don't even she's as bland for me. She's super bland in this. Yeah, I was going to say, she, she feels like she doesn't want to be in the movie. She's like she the maybe cheap didn't. vanilla ice cream. Cheap vanilla. Not even the ones with the vanilla pods in. Just like the one which you get... You know, which is like I don't know, fifty it's like cents. artificially, yes. artificially bland flavored vanilla. Yeah, it's just like it's like it's like neon white ice cream. It doesn't even look real. Um, so for me, yeah, it it, it was what it was a throwaway film. It was on the level of Truth or Dare for me. I whether it was better or not, I mean, it probably was because Truth or Dare was abysmal. Yeah, but I don't know. There was it was a tantalizing idea for it. Just wasn't executed well for me. I wasn't bothered by the characters or anything and. It, it was an hour and a half long. It was it was too much. Sorry, it was an hour and forty minutes long, which was too long for me. And yep. uh, I didn't put my review out because just just to have one bit of um, tension for this show. But yeah, I, I I ended it. My fantasy would be to live in a world where I haven't seen this film because it's just bad. However, if you do like this film, good. Let us know why. I'd love to know what why you like this film because I mean, forty million dollars against seven million shows that people have gone out to see this, and it was released on Valentine's Day. So I wonder how many uh, young guys took their <laughs> partners out thinking it was a different kind yeah, of film. Or, oh, you know, Fantasy Island. Oh, this could be a bit titillating. I wonder if they knew what they were getting themselves into. I wonder how many of them still stayed with their partners after this. <laughs> many relationships were ruined by Fantasy Island. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we maybe should have done that one first and ended with the good one. But you know what? It's fine. Um, I like how we came back not... with a good bang, though, with Invisible Man. Yes, that's a valid point. It's the first one back. It's good to start with something strong. Um, I do think Fantasy Island was the worst of the month and The Invisible Man the best of the month, both from Blumhouse. So that's got to be a record, right? Oh, I don't think we've had something. I don't think we've had a dichotomy like that before. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, you mentioned a poll earlier on. Uh, if you guys who who follow us on Twitter, 
uh, you'll know what you'll know what uh, we put out. If you don't, we'll give the link later on and on Instagram as well. But we put a poll a poll out, basically asking you guys what what do you think was the best movie released in February, uh, and we gave our top four as the um, barometer. And if you had any more, add those. Um, the poll is still ongoing, but the results at the minute are staggering. Uh, for John, anyway, I know that. For me, they are as well, actually. Um, currently in the lead is Sonic the Hedgehog with 58% of the votes. Uh, the Invisible Man and Birds of Prey are now tying at 21%. And I am glad to report nobody's voted for Fantasy Island. But Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah. as of now, after the poll's been up for about 8 to 10 hours, but um, 58% of the people who have voted have said Sonic the Hedgehog was the best film of the month. Now, I don't believe you agree with that. I do not. Um, I, I especially. I'm hoping that's just because people haven't had a chance to see the Invisible Man yet, um, because it has only been out for two days, where Sonic's been out for two weeks. Yep. But and um, we did a, obviously. There's other movies that we. A lot of times we try to do one a week from the selection of four, but not always. But like a lot of times it'll work out that way, where like there's an obvious release of the week that like people expect to do well, and then like <laughs> there's the the filler release. We skipped downhill. Um, and I think two other movies came out with Downhill that we skipped completely. Um, and rightfully so. Yeah. So let's just say that. But. Yeah. I would have thought Birds of Prey would have actually been the most popular in terms of money this month. But uh, yeah. it looks like an invisible man. Or it looks like Sonic the Hedgehog, no, sorry, Sonic, is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so uh, po- poll, uh, po- you'll see the results of the poll if you check out our socials. But yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog is what you guys currently think is the best film of the month but like john said we also we don't just watch four films we are those kind of guys who watch we would live in the cinema or the theater as you guys call it if we could is that not right yes uh a hundred percent i mean i it's almost you could argue that we do uh we go there as often as i go uh not as often as i go to the gym now but as often as i used to go to the gym um which like was you know two to three times a week uh, which is what still what i go to the theater for um but yeah I, i love going to the theater it's still my favorite pastime and even more like I do watch um, I've gotten in the habit now, Matt, where I'm watching like documentaries or even TV series while I'm on the treadmill at the gym. Nice. It's a good time um, to do it, though. And it is. And breaking up documentaries over a couple of days hasn't been like I thought I might not be as connected, but I actually have had no issues with it. Like it took me three or four days to watch Hail Satan mm-hmm. um, last week. And it was I was fine with that. You know, it was like it was paced interestingly it's not a documentary i recommend people watch it on a treadmill though for the record uh i was like leaning into my phone multiple times so people wouldn't see what was on the screen I'm like oh god um didn't know that was next to me yeah so uh luckily no one nobody that i know saw at least uh i was like oh god um, plays into a great story yeah. one of our last shows actually it's on movie astrology which we we do last one of the last shows we did you had a guy come up to you on the treadmill Nobody else is on these treadmills apart from me right in the corner, and a guy with too much cologne on came and stood yes. next to you. Good thing you didn't do that when Hal Satan was playing. Yes, very good thing. Yeah, uh, that would have been uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, well, at least it makes going to the gym more enjoyable. But I enjoy going to the gym. Yeah. But when you've got something like that, because I know a lot of people listen to podcasts at the gym, it's nice to have something to, else to look forward to other than obviously the satisfaction of losing weight. So uh, it's it's helpful too when you're trying to fit everything into your busy schedule. You know, yes, that you can fit as a, a teacher in through a couple of days. As a teacher, you are a busy man. Yes, and as a but um, sorry, go on. I'll cut this bit out. I was going to say we're going to get into uh to our 
other reviews, the micro reviews of the other stuff we watched this month. Yes, and we've got to come up with a funky name for this. So yeah, call to arms, guys. What can we call this? The the others is currently called. Um. So yeah, we basically this is just us, me and John, to give a very very quick one liner, one or two liners about what we thought about the films, the other films that we saw, and for the first time, I think one of them in BAMP history. I've got a a block of films I saw. John's got a block of his, but we never overlapped anywhere. We usually we have a film which we both saw, which wasn't part of the top I, four. This time, to I don't be fair, I did see Dark Waters, but I saw it like two months ago. Yeah, it only um, came out like again like two days, two three days ago in the United Kingdom. As did um another one on this list as well, actually, uh, which I'm going to get into. But I'll get into it. So uh, the way we've done it is the first film that we've both seen. You mentioned Dark Waters. What I will say about um. Dark Waters was, uh, I thought it was well acted. It's got a good cast. Mark Ruffalo, Anne Hathaway, who doesn't get much to do. Tim Robbins. Uh, I don't think this was the greatest film. It had a good story to play off, but it's worth a go. So if you're, I'm in an iron, if you've, if you've got an unlimited card or whatever the US equivalent is, use it. Go and watch Dark Waters. It's a, it's a good, it's a decent film. I, I liked it more than you, actually. I like Dark Waters um, quite a bit. I, I don't think it's like the best film of the year, but I found it... Uh, horrifying like in a like real world sort of way like i left feeling dread Mm -hmm. um because of the truth that the movie puts out there um i thought ruffalo was fantastic though and i thought it uh it's a another example of like spotlight where you have a movie where they're showing people doing research and somehow make it captivating um which i found i like that um and it might be the journalist in me that i find that compelling but i i do so i i say uh Thumbs up to Dark Waters. Yep, thumbs up for me as well. Um, so the next five are films I've seen, and then the six after that are a JB film. So the first, so the next one on the list I saw for my utter sins was uh, Brahms' <laughs> The Boy Two. Tedious, boring, uneventful, waste of time. Probably worse than Fantasy Island. That's all I need to say about that. Yeah. A sequel to to a film nobody wanted, and a, and it's it's awful. Um, next up was Emma, uh, a new take on the Jane Austen. Um, works another Jane Austen work, but this is a very satirical look at that. Anya Taylor Joy is great. The film, as most period pieces do, it looks great. Some good moments of comedy. I actually enjoyed Emma a lot more than I thought I did. So if you're arming an iron on it because it looks like a bit stuffy period piece, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, next up was The Call of the Wild. Again, another film which I thought, oh no, I'm not entirely sure I'm going to like this. And it's like the thousand iteration of this story it's been done so many times i thought this was surprisingly very endearing actually uh harrison ford really sells the embittered lonely man who's searching for for something he says it so well my only real uh problem with it and it's not even a problem but it's a shame the dog was cgi obviously it kind of had to be mm. through that practically but um buck the dog was lovable i actually thought the call of the world was very very good Short film. I really enjoyed Call of the Wild, and I thought I no chance I was going to say that, but really enjoyed Call of the Wild. Um, I then saw uh, true, the true history of the Kelly Gang. By that I mean I actually saw it today, pretty much um, hours ago. It only came out a few days ago in the United Kingdom. It's all about Ned Kelly, the Australian bad boy. It's told in three parts of his life. It stars George McKay, who was obviously recently in nineteen seventeen, Charlie Hunnam, Essie Davis of the Babadook. And it's a, it's a, I say it's a modern take of the Ned Kelly story. It's basically fiction mixed with non-fiction, and it's very open in saying that most of what you're going to see isn't actually true, but enjoy it anyway. Pretty damn good actually. 
I quite enjoyed this. And this was actually done before 1917. And George McKay said it set him up for that film in terms of acting. So um, nice. I really enjoyed True History of the Kelly Gang. And finally, film I saw, a Netflix film. It was To All the Boys. P.S. I Still Love You. Uh, I thought the first film, uh, To All the Boys I'd Loved Before, I thought that was awesome. It was in my top 20 of the year it came out. Surprised me no like end. It was a rom-com, but it was, again, it was endearing. It was charming. It was funny. It was, I say relatable, because I thought like, I, I felt for the characters. Um, for this version, it was enjoyable. It wasn't as good as the first film. But it's still good. I enjoyed it still. I still like the characters. Lana Condor is great in these. And more importantly, it's on Netflix. So you've got no excuse not to check it out, especially if you like the first film. So, uh, yeah, for the for the other films I saw, mixed bag, but mostly positive. So uh, what about you, man? Um, So I just watched a screener for Vivarium, which is going to be coming out on uh, digital soon. Mm-hmm. It was a it's a sci-fi film directed by Lorcan Finnegan and stars uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots. Um, and that's their second collaboration. Technically, it is a 2019 film, but it's it's getting its actual release on video. Um, so that's why I'm listing it here. Uh, I liked it. It's a weird sci-fi film, but I really enjoy uh, Jesse and Imogen together. I think they uh, they were in the Art of Self-Defense together last year as well. And I think they just have some really strong chemistry. And this weird movie is interesting and uh, kind of horrifying at times. Um, on the treadmill, I, I watched Miss Americana. The uh, Netflix documentary about Taylor Swift. Um, I have since listened to Taylor Swift songs quite a bit. Uh, I was I wouldn't say I was not a fan, mm-hmm. but I did not. I don't think I've ever listened to her without it coming on the radio. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I've yeah. never like put her album on. Gone to listen yeah. But I have since I watched this documentary. Um, it's it's well constructed. It's very compelling, and it's a very candid look at her. Um, she's very open in it, and it's like during the making of her last album, Lover. But it goes; it does a really good job of like doing history stuff, showing some of the performances. But it is more a doc than it is. It is not a concert fi- video, although there is again some footage of her performing. It is about her. Um, I found it very compelling. Uh, Downhill. That's the remake of Force Majeure, which I've not seen, but I am going to be watching because it's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is directed by Nate Faxon and um, oop, I'm going to forget the other guy's name. They're a team, but they did uh, the Way Way Back, which I love, and they did um. The Descendants with George Clooney and Shailene Woodley. And I like both of those films, so I was really hopeful that Downhill would work. Um, I love Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I did not like Will Ferrell in this movie, so that's two <laughs> actors who I generally enjoy where other people often bash them. That's Carrie and Ferrell. And they didn't work for me in this, this month. Their movies I uh, did not click with. So either my tastes are changing or maybe like I'm getting tired of them or maybe they were doing something that just doesn't work in the movie that they were in. And that's kind of what I feel with Farrell in that one. So downhill, uh, not perfect, but not bad either. It's just, it's fine. Um, I loved the photograph. Uh, that is the Lakeith Stanfield and Issa Rae film, um, where they fall in love. It's a romance. It is a true romance. Um, I, I at first I thought I was kind of like, this is a little bland, a little, meh, it's not bad, but it's, but by the end, I loved the characters so much, and I was so into the relationship that they had, and I just really enjoyed the movie. Um, Lucky Sanfield is masterful in everything he's done so far, and I just can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, the Gentleman, the new Guy Ritchie movie with a huge cast. Yes. I mean, we're talking McConaughey, uh, that one dude that's in that thing, Charlie Hugh Hunter? Grant. Uh, 
that's it. Charlie Hunnam, the guy who's forgettable, but good. Uh, um, I, he has grown. I think he's doing much better work lately. And I, he's really good in the gentleman. Um, Hugh Grant though. I just, I think his later part of his career, he's gotten into like character acting and he's so freaking great. Paddington too. And gentleman, Hugh Grant are just phenomenal. Uh, Hugh Grant performance. That's good to hear. Um, and, uh, Colin Farrell in the gentleman is also great, which I've become again, last since, uh, the lobster Colin Farrell has been like on the top of my movies every time. Um, I love him. And, the gentleman though has some flaws. It definitely is uh, maybe ten years, fifteen years too late as far as like a lot of the jokes they're making, a lot of stuff. It just feels not in the right place now. Um, but it's still a very enjoyable film. It's definitely one of the best Guy Ritchie films over the last couple of years. So if you're just a fan of Guy Ritchie, you're looking for him to kind of go back to that. It's much more in vain with that. So enjoyable. And lastly, uh, actually, there's two more. I forgot to. I never typed it out, but we agreed to say it. So uh, the rhythm section. Um, I wanted this to be a thumbs up and it's not, um, it, it falls very short. I will say though, the one silver lining to the movie is that Blake Lively is a really good actress, which I feel like when the shallows came out, I didn't have a strong opinion of her. The shallows started to win me over. Um, I loved her in a simple favor yep. and she's really, really good in the rhythm section. The movie, not so good. She super good. Um, and lastly, Gretel and Hansel, uh, I had no expectations of Gretel and Hansel I thought the movie would be complete trash it is so not it is so up in the the same kind of artistic horror that you would see with like the witch um which I didn't love the witch but my complaint was more I didn't really understand the dialogue in that movie because the accents (laughs) were so tough for my ears I didn't know what was being said so I was lost for a lot of it um also I think I expected the witch to be a traditional horror film and I was a little disappointed that it wasn't uh, this movie, I had like no expectations, and I was really impressed by it. Um, I don't know that I was ever scared, per se, but I was intrigued and captivated, and I was constantly trying to understand what the movie was doing, and I found it to be uh, a very engaging and I- intriguing experience the entire time. So uh, especially when I went in expecting it to just be like a really cheesy horror film, and it wasn't that, I was pleasantly surprised. Um so those are my others and mostly mostly positive a few negatives in there but you know overall it wasn't a bad month um i would say nice i i was hoping to get around to seeing the gentleman but i never got around to watching it i will try and catch it still Gretel and Hansel, as we discussed off air not that i can see anyway hasn't got a uk release date it only got there's release dates going up to like may and there's a sprinkling of european nations in there but nothing for the uk which is a surprise because I this is one of the films yeah. I did watch a trailer for and it gave me those kind of A24 light vibes and I was quite digging the idea of it as well. Um, some parts of the trailer I thought, mm, but I thought it looked quite good, interesting and Sophia Lillis has you know, chosen her path with acting now, going down the horror path by the looks of it. Uh, but I was really yeah. looking forward to seeing that. But all right, when it comes out, I'll give my thoughts. But um, So February as a whole, as we always do, and it's our return as well. For a return episode and just for the quality of the films, what are you thinking then? Um, I would say for the big four, it was a split bag, mm-hmm. right? Like I think um, Invisible Man is a really, really great movie. Uh, and I think the other, I think Birds of Prey is fine and Sonic is fine and Fantasy Island was not so good. So yeah, I, I'd say it's it's like fitty fitty. Yep, I, um, I'm, I'm slightly more up on only because three of the four films entertained me quite a bit. Whether or not they were the best films is a different story, but it was an entertaining month. 
but when it was bad was it bad and that includes some of the ones some of the others but yeah I think it's a good a good month to return on and I think the Invisible Man was was to stand out by far so uh, yes glad yeah. to be back man me too I'm glad uh, listeners we are grateful for you waiting us out um, if you like what we're doing please rate and review us because it helps people find the podcast which is the you know it's a necessary component of podcasting we need people to hear the things that we're saying otherwise we're just talking to each other which is fine I enjoy the conversation Matt but you know, it's good. good. <laughs> it, it, we would like to for other people to hear the conversation. Um, social media. You can follow us on Instagram at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And Matt, what's our Twitter address? Twitter is at Bamp B A M P underscore podcast. Follow us on Twitter as well, though. And again, like Matt said, you can still do that poll. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Is Sonic the best movie of the month? Because I clearly don't think so. But maybe you do here's your chance to exercise democracy um but that's uh i think that's it for the episode um again we are grateful for everything uh that you've done listeners we are grateful for the feedback that we've heard um reach out to us on social media tell us what you think uh about maybe what we should call that other section how we should be rating those movies we'd love to hear your thoughts on that um until next time i say keep watching movies and i'm going to tell you to stay bloody awesome Blah, 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 blah.